Hello, boys and girls, and welcome to episode 224 of the Motorcycle Man podcast and another wonderful interview episode for your listening pleasure. The Motorcycle Man podcast is brought to you by Tobacco Motorwear for the best in American-made Kevlar line selvage riding jeans and shirts, jackets, graphic tees, and accessories. You got to go over to Tobacco Motorwear at TobaccoMotorwear.com. There's a special link just for Motorcycle Men listeners who want to order from Tobacco Motorwear in the show notes and on the Motorcycle Men webpage, which is www.MotorcycleMen.us. Or you can give them a call at 747-666-5741 and you tell Dave and Andrew and the crew over there that the Motorcycle Men sent you. And make sure when you order, you use the coupon code MOTOMEN when ordering. And Scorpion Helmets. For the past 15 years, Scorpion EXO has been dedicated to offering high-quality, innovative motorcycle helmets and technical apparel at an incredible value. Some of the world's best helmet and apparel designers spend countless hours developing and testing Scorpion EXO products to ensure that each and every Scorpion EXO helmet and garment will surpass user expectations. To learn more, you go to scorpionusa.com. And Shingo Tires. Hey, look, whether you're riding a sport bike, a scooter, an off-road bike, or a dual sport a cruiser, even a Harley-Davidson, you got to go to Shingo Tires. Shingo has a tire to suit your needs and riding style without breaking your bank account. So if it's time for tires for your bike, you want to think Shingo. Go to Shingo Tire USA, and you tell them that the Motorcycle Men sent you, all right? And the Motorcycle Men podcast is supporting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. If you would like to help... And be a part of something that actually makes a difference. You donate today to David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. You go to davidsdreamandbelieve.org to donate. Links will also be in the show notes. And, of course, the Gold Star Ride Foundation, helping the families of fallen soldiers and making a difference in the lives of those left behind. If you'd like to be a part of some great cause and get some heartfelt miles in, go to goldstarride.org and learn how you can participate in the next Gold Star Ride. Now, have you ever thought about what it would be like to ride around, oh, Eastern Europe, let's say? Perhaps riding through Austria or Italy. Perhaps going through the Alps. Now, you've seen plenty of pictures and you've seen plenty of videos and some of those amazing roads over there. And you think to yourself, someday. Well, don't wait. My guest tonight was on the podcast back in July... And she has returned from her motorcycle trip around Eastern Europe. And she's there tonight to tell us all about it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Motorcycle Man Podcast. This is episode 224. And joining me all the way from, where'd you say you were in again? I'm in Oregon right now. You're in Oregon. Z Traveler, back again for more torture here on the podcast. Z, welcome back. Oh, thanks for having me, Ted. I'm happy to be able to come back and talk to you again. I'm glad you're here. Now, for those who did not hear the last interview, why don't you tell us who you are and what you're doing? So I'm Z Traveler. I live on my motorcycle full time. I run a few communities on Facebook, primarily minimalist motorcycle vagabonds and bunker biker. But I promote the travel life and share my experiences and try to inspire people to get out and see the world and ride their motorcycles. And how's that working out for you? I couldn't be happier with my life. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you don't have to suffer through that nine-to-five thing that the rest of us do. 
Well, I, I do go to work. Uh, I oh, yes, true. I get it. Do yeah. it. I do it like three to five months a year, but I usually do 12 to 14 hour shifts just to get it out of the way. Oh, I understand. Yeah, sure. Why not? So now when I last interviewed you, you were just bouncing around the United States, going from here and there, and you were, but you were preparing for another trip. Tell us where you went. I went to Romania. Um, that was where I flew in and out of. But while I was over in Eastern Europe, I went to 13 other countries. Wow. So you did a little bit of traveling over there. Um, just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> now, did you bring your own bike or did you have like prior arrangements for a ride when you got there? So the reason why I went to Romania is that while in San Jose, California, I met this wonderful woman named Maria. She has a motorcycle tour company based out of Bucharest, Romania. Okay. And so we had we hit it off really well. And she invited me over and said, hey, if you come over, I'll give you a motorcycle. And I was like, are you sure? That's a deal. And she's like, yes. So, so I bought a ticket to go to Romania. And that's how I ended up over there. Wow. What did you ride when you were there? My primary form of transportation was a, it was the a 2006 BMW F650GS. It was a twin. But oh. I also rode a 310, the 310GS, a 1200GS, and a 50cc mini bike while I was there. Wow. But those were all short short-lived <laughs> well how was it how'd you like the bike well, well um, you already i think you already told me which one was your favorite but of the gs of the larger bikes which one did you appreciate more well i only briefly was on the 1200 it handled really well for being a big bike yeah. i didn't like the 310 the ergonomics were just weird but the 650 was my primary one i did about 10,000 kilometers while I was over in Eastern Europe on it. So I got to know the bike pretty well. Is that the white it's, one that I, that I see on your website you were riding? Is that it? It's like silver. Oh, it's like silver. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah, it's silver. It's the twin. Um, there was another one that was white. That was the single cylinder, but that was what Maria was, was riding. Oh, okay. What's this yellow one that I see on there on your website? Oh, I wasn't it? on a yellow one. Oh, no. I just I see, I see yellow on one of your pictures. I thought maybe that was one of the other bikes. But... Uh, on your website, there's lots of stuff. We'll talk about that very shortly. But so you went to, um, you, you started in Romania. And and was what was the travel plan when you got there? Did you have a tour group or was this totally solo? So this was solo. Um, I didn't really have a lot of plans. I was there for two and a half months. So exactly 11 weeks. And I was more at the mercy of when the bike was available and when I was able to get out, you know, uh -huh. it was rented once while I was there, which coincided with me hopping onto another bike for a different tour. Okay. I did do another tour that was 36 people, but it was everyone riding independently. Wow. Um, I did end up hooking up with a couple people. people. Well, not hooking up, but riding with a few people. <laughs> we understand. Yeah. I, I like to use that term, but it tends to mean different things. Yeah, this different is true. People. I understand. <laughs> So I, I did ride with a few people during that run, but on the BMW, I rode solo. And out of the two and a half months I was there, I did, let's see, one, two, three, four, five separate trips. Four of them on the BMW and one on the different bike. Wow. So did you like the BMW? It was a good bike for what it is. Yeah. Um, Off-road, I did not prefer it. I'm on a lighter bike, you know, the, the Suzuki DR350. Sure. So I'm used to something that's really capable off-road, very light, very easy to handle. But it was great for highway. It did every well, everything well. Um, it co it cornered well, so I didn't really have any complaints on it. It did pretty good in gas mileage. 
But now, as far as it goes for, for the, the, the Romania thing, you say you didn't have a plan. Was it to just actually just get on the bike and go, much like what you did here in the U.S.? Um, I wasn't really touring. Um, due to the bike needing maintenance and other various things, I was in a lot of time restraints. But I had um, her friend at the time, Roland, he really, he's a very big tour. He's got okay. his own page. He's been all over Europe, and he really helped me with giving me recommendations for especially going to the Alps and the Dolomites. So he helped me with some, some route planning. So my the whole thing that I planned was the first trip, I needed to get to the Alps before it got late. I got there late August, which is pushing, you know, winter, especially in, in big mountains like that. So I, I went there first, spent 15 days from Bucharest to Austria and back. That was eight countries. Marie and I did a trip together to Moldova, which was a few days. I did one solo trip just to go around um, the Carpathian Mountains in Romania. And then another trip, which was, I believe, 10 days, to go from Romania down south through Greece and then back around. Did, now, you said you went into Italy. Well, let's go to this. You went to Romania. Of course, you started in Romania. Then you went Hungary, Slovenia, Austria, Italy. Croatia, Bosnia, Serbia, and then back to Romania. Yeah, yeah that was the first loop. That was the first loop. <laughs> yes, uh, no. that was just the beginning of it. Now, okay, what what was the second loop? Uh, the second loop was the one to Moldova, which is a okay. small country in the northeast part of Romania, between okay. Romania and Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And then the big second loop was Romania, Bulgaria, Greece, North Macedonia. Albania, Montenegro, Serbia, and back to Romania. Wow, that's quite that's that's a lot of riding. Now, now how many total miles did you go? It was about ten thousand kilometers, which would put me at six thousand miles. Well, okay. Now, all those places you went, if you had a favorite place, what what, what would it have been? Well, that's a hard question. I love Romania. I loved Bulgaria, Macedonia, and Montenegro. Those were my favorite countries uh, for lots of various reasons. Yeah. I saw a lot of amazing things, but as the overall picture, those were the ones I liked the best. Okay, now you went through. You said you went to the Dolomites through uh, Italy. How was that? Oh, the Dolomites are gorgeous. I yeah. got rained on. Ended up having to stop and and have a pizza at some random restaurant in the middle of it. But uh, no, they're super beautiful. The riding is amazing. I was over in the Alps for like I, I pushed through hung Hungary just to get to the Alps, and and Hungary is kind of flat and straight at least you know. So I just pushed through there and I got to the Alps to spend as much time there as possible. Because the mountains there, like even if you're not in the passes, everything's a curvy road, yeah. and you're lucky to average 35 miles per hour. Oh, so really? Whole day wow. of riding does not get you very far. Did you make it to Stelvio Pass? I did. Oh, <gasps> you did? I did. Oh, I'm so jealous. How was it? Uh, I've heard so much hype and so much negativity about it. Yeah. I was there in off tourist season, so right. it was not busy, and I had decent weather. Okay. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was one of the most technical roads I've been on as far as payments concerned. Yeah. Oh, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> You're breaking stuff over there? Yeah, it was a, a little bit of an avalanche going on. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, Stelvio was great. I absolutely loved it. There was more motorcycles on that road than cars. Of course, I can imagine. Um, a lot of riders there, everyone says it's the most dangerous road uh, for various reasons, maybe just in Europe or whatever. Um, I found it not to be very dangerous, but I took it reasonable. I was yeah. on a rented bike that I didn't know very well, and I was very conservative with my riding, whereas a lot of bikes I saw there were taking these hairpin turns, and I'm, I'm talking hairpin. 
you're coming back on yourself. When you look at the map, the road overlaps itself. On yeah. GPS. Yeah. And these riders were taking these things blind, uncoming, and on, in the wrong side of the road. So that explains why it's dangerous. It's because people are riding it. It's not dangerous because of the road. It's dangerous because of the people. They're riding it irresponsibly. Like, yeah. you know what you're doing is wrong, and you know it's very dangerous to be coming around a corner not knowing what's around that corner, if there's a car coming, another bike coming. Yeah. What was, well, what was the most common bike you saw on that road? I have to believe it was all sport bikes. No, adventure bikes. Really? Oh, wow. Oh, well, BMW is a big culture over there, so. Oh, yeah, I guess I can imagine it would be. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly adventure bikes, a lot of people wearing matching gear and yeah, all the gear all the time, you know, that kind of stuff. It, I was probably one of the odd ones out wearing ski pants, and sometimes I was in shorts or a T-shirt. Wow, so so the roads are pretty damn good, though, you, over there. Yeah, absolutely. They, they take really good care of their roads, but all of the ma- mountain passes over in, in Austria and Italy that I went through, they're all paid. They're toll roads. Really? Yeah. Most of the passes are toll roads. No kidding. I would have never imagined that. Yeah, I sent back uh, about 200 bucks for, for tolls just in case I needed it. And I needed a good chunk of it for it because they, they ranged from 10 to $20 a piece. No kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very expensive in Eastern Europe. That's why Yikes. I only went as far east as Northern Italy and Southern Austria. Okay. Now, what about the uh, the traffic? How was that? Depends on what country you're talking. It's got to be different than the U.S., though. Overall, it's got to be much different. Absolutely. The big thing that you notice in Europe is that motorcycles are, are viewed as a valid form of transportation, whereas in the States, it's viewed as a recreational vehicle, which is just absolute horseshit. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't need to be riding that. It's not a requirement. You know, no, I get to ride whatever I want. I'm paying taxes for these roads, and I should be allowed to ride two or four wheels. We are equivalent. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally agree. So, over there, totally different. In Eastern, in Western Europe, it's there's a lot of speed cameras, a lot of um, legislation going on. But in Eastern Europe, I absolutely loved riding there. It was do whatever the hell you wanted on the roads as a motorcycle. And I'll tell you a story. Tell me a story. I was in either Montenegro or Serbia, but I was in the mountains. I had camped. It was Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Montenegro. So I had camped on a little river, woke up early, and got riding. It was a little bit cold, but I was in the mountains, not a lot of traffic. Beautiful day, just beautiful. And I'm I'm kind of cruising around these corners in this, in this mountain, and I'm not, you know, dragging me. I'm going a little bit over the speed limit. And I come around this corner, and there's a cop. And he's got a radar camera. You know, one of the handhelds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has it pointed at me, and he could tell by my sound that I was speeding, and he looked very excited. Until he saw that I was a motorcycle, and then he put it down in very detect Oh, man. He disappointingly walked back to his bike, to his car. <laughs> he's like, oh, I can't ticket them. So... In most of the Eastern European countries, bikes don't get charged for tolls. Okay. And I passed many, many cops going well over the speed limit or passing, quote-unquote, illegally on solid lines. They just don't care. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Well, let me yeah, – here's an interesting question. Now, you're obviously in countries that, well, you know, they're not English-speaking countries, really. So how did you manage the communication? I got really good at charades. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of hand gestures and uh, learning certain words. Uh, toilet is the universal word for you know what we call a bathroom or a restroom. Yeah. Which neither we bathe or rest in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but toilet's the way there. And I used a lot of Google Translate as well for ordering food. Um, but yeah, a lot of hand gestures. And usually um, English is a second language for most countries. Yeah. 
So most people could get around. Bulgaria, Serbia, Albania. Oh, no, Albania's all right. Serbia and Bulgaria, Moldova, those were a little bit more of a challenge. They're a little bit poorer. Yeah. Um, so their education isn't as high as the eastern or the western ones. The only thing I did find was in Italy, I had a gas station attendant that was so snobby she wouldn't tell me or use her hands how much the bottle of water was. So I dropped her a big bill just because she wouldn't tell me. Like wow. she wouldn't work with me whatsoever. She was very just like determined not to speak English or use her hands. <laughs> so now when you said you, you did make it to uh, Bulgaria, you said, right? Yeah, and I went to Moto Camp Bulgaria, if you know what that is. No, tell me about it. Uh, it's a moto motorcycle-based hostel. Um, some I don't know. It's name, his name's Paul, and I forget his last name. I don't know a lot about him myself. But he set a lot of records on rides, and he uh, he opened it with his Bulgarian wife. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really cool place, just full of motorcycle stuff. Each room is, you know, Harley room and Honda room and the Suzuki room. I was actually the only one there because no one wanted to ride the cold, apparently. Oh, how, how, how was the weather, though? When I first left out for to go to Bulgaria from Romania, it was in late September, and there was just a big cold snap Yeah. right before. So that day that I went there was right after the cold snap, but it was bearable to ride. So I was lucky to avoid a lot of the bad weather. Okay. I did get rained on a couple times, quite a few times in Austria and Italy. Sometime, one of the passes that I paid like $15 to go over was so foggy I couldn't see anything. Wow. Now, you went I, – I, see, I'm having a hard time understanding or believing that it was that cold and it was only September. Oh, yeah. Well, this is mountainous areas okay so I guess. hungary wouldn't be so bad it's flat and lower level but if you go up into the carpet i was going through the carpathian mountains and the balkan mountains oh so you were you were at elevation that's why you were getting that yeah i was up and down a lot so it was i lived in my my gear the whole time and i was taking full use of my camping gear which is rated down to like zero degrees wow <laughs> yeah that'll make your day <laughs> did you make it over to the black sea i didn't i tried oh. to and never got a chance that's going to have to be another trip, right? Well, I, I do intend to go over there and buy my own motorcycle one of these days and spend a year and just really thoroughly investigate. The, every road there is amazing, and everyone knows how to ride the motorcycles if they're on one because they don't have a lot of straight roads. Almost every road's curvy. Wow. See. So even if you're not now. going, yeah, even if you're not particularly planning to do something, if you just go to the store or go around town, everything's curvy. Everything's a curvy road, so no one there is a bad rider. Did, did you see a lot of? I mean, I'm going to have to. Ask, I have to ask this because I'm stupid in that way. But did you see any Harleys over there, cruiser guys? There was quite a few in, in Bucharest. Oh, really? Where I okay. Was, I stayed with Maria in Bucharest, so I got pretty familiar with that town. It's where I learned how to fight for my life on the road. <laughs> fight for your life? Oh, is this a traffic story? Oh, I have a lot of traffic stories. <laughs> yeah. Riding in Eastern Europe is significantly different than riding in america no one follows any of the rules of the road but everyone's a better driver because they're not complacently staring out their front windshield they're paying attention okay i get it i get it everything's unpredictable so while i saw a lot of people almost touch or i had people pull out in front of me usually they'd realize and we'd all correct ourselves and right. you know don't get me wrong i made my mistakes i didn't understand some of the signage when i got there okay and you know you make mistakes. You get tired. Are they more respectful of the motorcycle riders? For the most part. Um, I had a few problems in Romania coming into the borders. Um, so you cut you cut to the front of the line at borders if you're a motorcycle rider. 
And there's lane splitting in all the countries that I went through. And for the most part, people respect you and don't mess with you. You still get your occasional douchebag, but for the most part, yeah, yeah they, they get out of your way or they at least just don't try to hurt you in any way. Well, that's a good thing. Now, how were how you received being this solo woman riding around through Eastern Europe by yourself? I didn't have any problems. I Oh, really? Good. Good. Didn't I, I couldn't say that I had it any, any easier or any harder than a man would have. See, I, it's it's interesting that when you uh, when I hear about a, a solo woman riding like around the world, like what I did, when I interviewed uh, Elspeth Beard. You know, I, it was it was a curiosity for me to see because it's a solo individual riding around. Because most people will look at a solo guy riding around; they, they won't think nothing of it. But a solo woman, I would believe, to get more attention. Well, not really. I don't know. Did you find that? No? Okay. Well, good. Good. No, I mean, we're just motorcyclists, and that's the culture that I promote is that male or female, it doesn't really matter. Right. We're all motorcyclists. And for the most part, in most countries, you are perceived the same. And at least in Eastern Europe, where I went, there was no... Like, Bucharest has a very low rate percentage. People aren't... That's not a thing there. And even in Moldova, Maria and I were in uh, Chisinau, and... We were walking after dinner to the store to get some water, and these four guys come up, and they have their hoods up, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to get hit tonight. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and they come over, and they just ask her where the store is, and they're very polite and went to the store. There you go. So I never, honestly, I never felt in any kind of physical danger. I had wonderful times in Kladovo and Serbia. In Albania, like every single country was amazing. People are so hospitable over there. They're so friendly. There, I didn't feel like anyone was going to steal off my bike. I didn't feel like anyone was trying to pick my pockets. I didn't feel like I was going to be raped or any kind of sexual assault was going to happen. Yeah. Well, that's it good was, to know. It was, it's very, very friendly over there and just great. I mean, you, I could go to a, a bar and just leave my phone on the bar and no one would take it. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to know. That's good to, that you can have that trust in your fellow man when you're, you know, riding around the world like that. That's awesome. It is. It's very, it's very fantastic. And then I come back to come back to America, and someone rifled through my milk crate in San Jose. Ah man! And stole a few things. I know. Yeah. Welcome home, Z. <laughs> Tell us about your lodging. What'd you do? I know you said you camped a little bit, and your meals. How did that work out? So I did on my own. I did primarily camping. It's illegal to wild camp the further west you go. So on the now, for those who don't understand coast, what that means, explain wild camping. I know what it is, but explain what wild. Okay, camping so is. wild camping is camping without being in a campground. It's being in a non-designated area, and that's what wild camping is considered. So hmm. if you're paying somewhere to be there, then you're designated, or if it's you know a, it's set aside to be for that, you're okay. Anything outside of that is illegal. I wonder why they would call that illegal. I don't understand what the deal is with that. What the, what's the difference to make where, where you sleep? I guess because they maybe view you as a homeless person or something. I don't know. Um, that would be speculation, but a lot of it's you don't pay. A lot of um, a lot of the gypsies and vagabonds over there have been disrespectful for leaving trash. Destroying oh, I see. Yeah. The environment. Yeah, I get. And it. also, again, over legislation, the further further west you go in Europe. So in Italy and Austria, Austria is not so bad. They have a loophole for motorcycles. If you're over a thousand meters, um, you can camp because of bad uh, mountainous weather. Sure. But I never had a problem in Austria, Italy, and I didn't have a problem anywhere. I'm very selective about where I camped. So mm -hmm. I used 
a various amount of apps on my phone to find places to camp. One's called Park for Night. Okay. Uh, it's more of an RV one, but it works better than iOverlander. They didn't have a lot of spots. And uh, so I use that one a lot and use those spots. Some of them are private places that wouldn't be a problem. In Italy, I was a little paranoid. The fine for getting caught wild camping is about 300 euros. So we're talking like 330, $350. Really? Holy yeah. crap. So I slept under a lorry one night. There was a lot of, I slept in the parking lot of a castle one night. But there was a lot of getting there dark and being up and out by sunrise, you know, by the first light of the day. Wow. Okay. Wow. Did you ever like ask any homeowners or landowners if you could did, like just pitch a tent for the night or anything like that? No. No. I mean, I was I was recommended to. Oh, okay. I had friends that said, "Hey, go talk to the farm owners. I'm sure they let you camp." But I like to travel. Um, I like to be left alone when I travel. I, I, I hate to say. That's okay. No, it's cool. I say that's fine. You know, as long as that makes you happy and you're feeling comfortable, that's good. Now, what'd you do about food? Oh, I love eating over there. It's so great. Tell us why. <laughs> so, food is very cheap no, in all really? of Europe. Very, very cheap. I went out to eat. At, at first, I carried food, and through Eastern and through Western Europe, I was, it was a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. But in Eastern, you can sit down. Like right now, I'm writing an article about Macedonia, my uh, two days that I spent there. I sat down at a white tablecloth restaurant in downtown Bitola. I had great service, quality food, an appetizer, an entree, and a beer for less than $10. Really? Holy crap. With, with tip. With tip? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you have to take a second mortgage out over here to do that. I know. It wow. was absolutely fantastic. And I shopped locally when I was in Bucharest at Maria's house. I would walk to the store and buy food, would never spend much money, and I got you know, grapes and all the stuff that's really expensive here. You'll drop five bucks for a bundle of grapes. I saw that you used your, uh, your top case for sort of a shopping basket. How'd that work out? Well, my top case was all of my camping gear mm-hmm. and my food. It's like a mini fridge. Is it insulated? Um, I wasn't worried about it. I only okay. carry salamis, sausages, cheeses, and fruits and vegetables. Um, come to find out, don't carry nectarines and peaches because no matter how hard you try you're going to crush them and they're going to get everywhere. I got sticky. Yeah. Don't, don't, well, that's, yeah, you got to use, watch how you use that with those words too. Um, <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. I know. <laughs> uh, but if you, if you, but, but your bananas, did you put bananas in there too? And then everything tastes like banana? No, I, I didn't bother bananas. Okay. They bruise too easy. <laughs> this is true. I know. Now, now I was going to ask you, we were going to talk about expense, but it was the trip exp- as expensive as you thought it was going to be. Um, I, I wanted to spend less than 3000 for two and a half months there. That was really high. I wanted to really enjoy this trip. I usually tour, so I'm low budget, lots of time. Okay. While I was in Romania, I was less time needed up my budget because of that. Okay. So, But I spent, I believe, around $2,200, and I would say four, 400 of that was on tattoos. So I, I'd say around 2000 or less. You got tattoos on, while you were there? I got three tattoos while I was there. The three? Wow. I got one in Moldova, one in Serbia, and one in Romania. And the one that I got in Moldova is probably my best piece ever. It is a very realistic and well-blended uh, swordfish. Okay. Do we ask where you have these tattoos placed on you? Um, I got a turtle and a swordfish on my right leg, and I got a mink, which is a type of weasel, yep. on my back. 
Okay. <laughs> now, is this a spirit of the moment thing, or are you just... Let me get a tattoo. Or... No, this is something that I do. Uh, oh, yeah? If I could afford to get one from every country I go to, I would. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I never heard anybody do that before. But well, uh, they're um they're cheaper and better quality over there. If you're a tattoo really? artist in, in Eastern Europe, you you're good because if you're not good, you're not going to make a living, and then you're going to die. <laughs> that's bad. Yeah, we, we can't have you dying because you're not doing tattoos. That's bad. And so, how did you manage the money thing? Well, was that did you use like travelers checks or was it credit card? How'd you work? Um, so my debit card's really well for traveling. I could use it in all the union countries. The ones that weren't union, I carried euros and converted to their currency when I crossed the border. Oh, okay. There's always currency conversion, and so long as you you know you keep keep some euros, keep your card, and you'll be fine. Usually, most countries will take euros if they have to. Right. Because I, I see. A, well, let, let's talk. Let's talk briefly about the uh, your your border crossings because you crossed a lot of borders when you were over there. Um, I've, I've read plenty of nightmares about that. How, how did you, how was it for you? I had not really any problems. Most of the borders, they never even talked to me. They didn't ask me questions. My passport is wonderfully stamped now, <laughs> but the first border was a little bit longer. The other like, Oh, what are you doing here? And that was hungry. Mm-hmm. And then from there on out, each stamp just made it easier. They saw I was transient. So they're just like, Oh, okay. Stamp. Now, did they ask you for like a carne for your, or any, any of the things you were carrying or your bike or anything like that? Never got searched. Never got asked to open my bike. No and kidding. I'm the fastest one through a border crossing. That is, wow, how about that? See, that that changes things for me because I tell you why. Anytime I've ever listened to an audio book of somebody who's been traveling around the world or uh, anything like that, it's always a freaking nightmare at the border crossings. There are bad border crossings. I know people who have had problems with Russia and Ukraine and and some of the other countries that are out there. But if you think about it, if someone's traveled the world, how many boards have they crossed, and which ones are they going to talk about? The yeah. ones that they just breeze through or the ones that make a story? Well, I think people need to hear more about the borders that you can just breeze through so that it lessens the potential anxiety somebody might have of traveling to Europe. You know, Absolutely. And Eastern Europe is a very unknown place to most Americans. And of course, and I'm so glad you haven't asked it, but we're going to cover it because everyone does. I went to Romania. What do you know about Romania? Oh, did you go to Dracula's castle? Uh Oh, man, stop asking that question. I was not going to ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, most people do. I did go to Braun Castle. It it was not even one of uh, his castles. Ponari was. It's a citadel, and it was hidden for many, many years. It's way up in the mountains it's like a thousand steps to get to it i did try to go to it but it was shut down for construction while i was there oh, okay um well you know i have a i have a really cool interest in austria how was that it was great yeah. i loved austria it's a beautiful country i went through um at least four or five mountain passes while i was there you know i was aiming for out of the way places i'm a i'm big for, for scenery when i ride so yeah. food was great people were nice traffic was nice and the roads were nice, of course. Yeah, really well paved. Not not very potholy, not nearly as bad as our roads tend to be. Did you stop? Did you go see any castles? I saw a few castles, not necessarily in Austria, but I saw some throughout my trip. Wow, okay. And any, any that are any that stick in your mind? The best one that I saw was it was in <clears throat> excuse me. Okay. It was in Hunadwara, Romania that I saw my best castle. It was very well 
preserved. They had some furniture out in it. It was a very nice tour. Um, most of the other castles, if you look at go and look at old castles, they're just stones because yeah. they're decayed. So I like history, and I tried to go to as many history things as I could while I was there. But it kind of takes away from the experience because they very rarely had it translated into English. Oh, okay. So it wasn't very educational for me. Okay. I couldn't read anything. All right. Now, as far as it goes for, um, let's, let's, let's briefly jump back to uh, Italy. How far down into Italy did you go? I didn't. I stayed in northern Italy and okay. the Alps and the Dolomites. Oh, okay. All right. I really want to go to the Dolomites. They look so pretty. Uh, I have <laughs> wonderful photos from there. Yeah. I mean, I've seen lots of videos of some uh, people riding through the Dolomites. It's just absolutely beautiful, beautiful stuff. And I'm glad you got the chance to do that. So now you kept a great journal of all of your travels on there. How do, uh, is there going to be more trips in there that we're going to be able or, or more parts of this journey that we can read about? Yes. So right now I'm working on the two days in Macedonia. Um, I would like to write the entire trip out as a book. There you go. Perfect. There was a lot more that went on while I was there. So, you know, I'm a semi-well-known traveler. I've got a little bit of a following. Good. And I like to entertain the masses. I like to show my pictures. You know, I really want to inspire people to go out and go to these countries that you probably never even heard of, but have wonderfully nice people and great places to see, great things to do and check out, new foods to try, so much that you can learn. You know, their history and their governments, everything about there is so much different than here yeah and it's very eye-opening and it it broadens your perspective on the world so i like to share a lot but while i was there i also went through a breakup with a guy i was dating and i had some other issues um that i was in the middle of so it was also also very emotionally tolling on me and that will come out in the book whenever i get around to writing that okay in the meantime what i'm doing is i'm making articles for my website about the very specific days that I really, really enjoyed. So there'll be right now the, the mass, the Macedonia article. I had this wonderful campsite. It was abandoned for like 20 years. I absolutely loved it. The second I got to it and I would have bought it. If I had the money, I would have converted it into moto camp Macedonia, but that's what I'm writing about now. So I'm doing little articles on specific areas for my website and maybe I'll try to send them off to some magazines just because I like to promote, Going to these places. Most, sure. most people don't realize that Macedonia is its own country. Uh, I hate to say admit this, but I did not know that either. It's technically North Macedonia. It's just a little little area in north of Greece, between Greece and Albania, Serbia, well, Kosovo, Serbia, and Bulgaria. Oh, okay. Yeah, North Macedonia. I see that. All right. Wow. I had no idea. Are you going to, you know, it would be really great is if you went as far as to do an audio book. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm interested in. I have a friend who's mentoring me right now in my writing and in my speaking. I am chronically known for speaking too fast, as is most Americans. Mm-hmm. I understand. <laughs> we we can to, speak slower. <laughs> we can speak slower if we really want to. We think about it. If we think about it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to work on speaking a little slower. And so I, I figured I'd write a book and then do my own audio, but... Honestly, if I sat down and just talked, it would it would also be a great story if anyone ever wanted to hear it. I just haven't very much decided how I'm going to do this yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to, to be said. And I do have a lot of other projects that I'd like to work on as well. I think, But I think this trip would make a wonderful book for 
anyone who, who do, wants, wants to hear a good story about traveling through Eastern Europe, I think it would be really wonderful to read about. You obviously stopped at many, many places that most people don't even consider going to. So that's why it would be really, really nice to uh, see that in print form. Yeah, no, I I love to. And uh, my writing style, I'm very much working on trying to make it as descriptive and entertaining as possible and also still have the details. So I'm very happy to have a published author helping me with with some hints and tips and tricks and improving my writing. Excellent. You planning to go back there or where are you off to next? Well, I I do intend to go back there sometime in the future. But right now um, I'm working in Oregon, helping out a, a friend's family. Uh, I will be bouncing around the U.S. until autumn of next year, fall for Americans. But I have tried. I'm trying to call it autumn because fall makes no sense to the rest of the world. Exactly. <laughs> so around September, August, September of next year, I'd like to head down through Mexico and do my South America trip finally. All right. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Bunka Biker? Ooh, Bunka Biker. Uh, I love. I love working with Bunka Biker so much. I. Right now, it's really slowed down with the U.S. and with Europe because winter's here. But Australia and New Zealand, people are using it over there. It's doing wonderfully. We're over 1,000 hosts right now, about almost to 1,100, I believe. Everything's being smoothed out. I've got a logo in works. I will soon be distributing for $5. I will send out 20 or 25 business cards for Bunker Biker that people can do word of mouth passing. All right, I tell you what, know what you do? Get me as much information as you possibly can, and I will put as much of it as I can on the Motorcycle Men website. Okay, and we'll, that'd be fantastic. We'll yeah, we'll get that out there. I think it's a it's wonderful been a, it's thing. It's been a wonderful group, though. I think it's fantastic. You know, I, and honestly, uh, when I did my trip from New Jersey down to the Florida Keys, had I really gave it some thought, I probably would have used a bunker biker for along the way, rather than taking up uh, hotels. You really should have. There's a lot of hosts on the East Coast. And the only negativity I find with Bunker Biker is that people say, oh, well, you're just trying to save money. Well, no, you can you can do hotels. I can go camp. I don't have to do this. But what makes the experience so much more rich is getting to make friends and new families along the way. I, I can't tell you how many times I see people stay with a host as they're traveling yeah. and they become great friends and then they're going to reverse it. Yeah. The person that was the host will be the guest at the the guest's house one day. Exactly. Exactly. So now what is the what is the usual fee that somebody's charged if they use Bunker Biker? Bunker Biker is is free and will always be free. Beautiful. Now is Bunker is Bunker Biker your creation? I did not create Bunker Biker. Uh. A man named Kajetel over in Norway started it back in 2016 shortly after I first got on the road. Okay. Um and he we have the same vision. He, I asked him to take it over earlier this year while I was in surgery from my wreck and a recovery from my surgery from my wreck. Mm-hmm. And so we, we discussed the ideas. He lets me have full reign of it because he's, his health went down, which is why he hasn't had time for it. We're talking about legalizing it, making sure it's, it's protected together. Right. But if his health doesn't improve and his, his life with his family and his, his work doesn't give him more time, he does intend to give it to me. I will never take credit for it. I could have started my own. Of course, I could have started my own. But it's very hard to start something in America and get a European base started. Yeah. So he has a ca- he had a catchy name. He already had a foundation to work with. So it was easier just for me to start organizing and managing that and promoting it more. Because I've, I've gotten to be decently 
skilled at networking and, and marketing through my experience with motorci- minimalist motorcycle vagabonds. Sure. So I brought my reputation over. So yes, a lot of people do think it's mine, but it's not. It's just something that I'm very passionate about. It's something that I live and breathe and use. And I think it's very good for the motorcycle community with how much negativity we tend to have going, you know, going on these days. Yeah. Well, tell tell me, well, tell our listeners how you go about, say you're traveling. How do you go about using Bunker Biker? So Bunker Biker is just a, a map posted on Z Maps, which not affiliated. <laughs> v Maps? We have a... Z Maps. Z E E Maps. Oh, okay. Okay. So it's a link to a map. Um, it's primarily on Facebook, but I'm trying to promote it more. You do not have to be on Facebook to use it. You just have to have the link to the map. And I found out there are people who are only on Instagram that know about Bunker Bikers. So I may be starting an Instagram for it when I finally have time. And I really hate Instagram personally, but yeah. eventually I'll get it on there. So. You can go to ztraveler.com and, and look at Bunker Biker there, or you can go to the Bunker Biker page on Facebook and like the page, or you can join in any of the groups for the countries. We have about 20 groups for different countries that are ran by locals, and it's the same map for everyone. And what you'll do is you'll go to the map, you'll click see map if you're on mobile or um, on desktop, it just pulls up, and you just browse around and look for a pin along your path. You do not make your route through the map you're only looking for hosts and each pin is color-coded i went through and checked every single pin at 850 and changed them to the proper color and now i they have to be approved to go on the map to make sure that that they're color coordinated and people will have details if they're red they're indoor they're indoor accommodations only so like a room or a couch which gives you the idea that you may not need to have camping gear to go to a red pin sure a green pen is outdoor in combinations only, which means bring your own gear to sleep outside. Yeah. And a purple pen means that they offer both. If it's yellow, they have their contact information, but didn't have the insight to put in some details about what they're offering. I prefer someone to say, I've got this and this and this. I don't want this and this. Because your pen as a host is where you're able to say, I don't want alcohol at my house or smoke outside right. or I have dogs and cats. If you're allergic, you know, that's where you can put in your rules and what makes this comfortable for you and what you need to feel safe to do this, you know? Yeah. And you don't ever have to put down your address. You can put down your town or near intersection sure. and be like, here's my phone number or my email. Contact me beforehand. I want to meet you. And, you know, I want to check your Facebook. A lot of people want to see some Facebook feeds. So, if you intend to be a frequent guest with Bunker Biker, I highly recommend adding the host so they can see your feed and make sure you're not creepy or weird. Right. And then also post about it when you use it. You know, for each host that says you're a good guest, they can look you up in the group and be like, oh, well, you're you're kind of a verified guest now. Oh, okay, I see. Are there any restrictions to that? Like, say, you're on the road, you know you're not going to get in until 1 o'clock in the morning. Is there... Will, will the host say no or think to things like that, or is it wide open? It is all up between the host and the guest. Oh, okay. Everyone sets their own precedence. Sure. I have two articles, one on how to be a good host and one on how to be a good guest. And all what I did is I took all the recommendations in from comments that I had seen and my own thoughts and laid it out for people who never done this before. So if you're a host, what you should tell your guest, you should be very upfront about it from the get-go. You know, if you need three days notice, that's your right. If you are okay helping someone come in at one in the morning, that's cool too. If you go to work at eight o'clock and you don't want them to stay in your house, 
then, you know, say it up front. Be very open so that way the guest knows what they're getting into and the host has set their boundaries. Okay. There you go. It sounds, it sounds very simple, very easy. And certainly it sounds very accommodating for bikers. I think we it's good to have something like that that we could uh, refer to should we need. You know, we're in travel and we need place, some place to stop. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. And I want this to be a, a worldwide platform. Maybe one day I can possibly work with ADV Tent Space or Biker Buddy, which is an app. There's there's other places out there that have mm-hmm. the same idea. Um, have, you I considered, just feel like have you considered my, a website, though? I have. Um, at the moment, Bunker Biker is free. I have a logo in the works. I'm having someone help me digitize it. And I also have a Patreon. So I'm going to be promoting the Patreon more. I'd love for people to sign up to give $1 a month for sure. using it or, or supporting it. The money always goes back into the community. So that money is going for paying for logos and whatnot. And then when I have some products, I'd like to do stickers, bandanas, flags, you know, various colors of the Bunker Biker logo, I'll use some of that money to help maybe pay for its own domain and help maybe make an app would be, would be really nice as well. But there's there's big, big ideas in the, in the future. It's just small steps at a time because I can't afford it. Right. I, I totally get it. it's a free it. platform. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. So how can people learn more about you and your blogsy traveler and what you're up to? The best way to find me and see what I'm up to is to friend me on Facebook at Z-Traveler. Um, that would be facebook.com slash Z-Traveler. I also have a page, which is the page is something that you like. You can like my page, but I very rarely post on it because of all the things that I deal with. I can barely keep up with my own newsfeed, let alone posting on a page as well. Um, so if you want my personal stuff, that's where you can see it. I also have a website that I update occasionally, um, ztraveler.com. I did a decent little bit of journal on there for the European trip, just taking notes as I went. And also you can see some of my work through Bunker Biker and Minimalist Motorcycle Vagabonds as well. And I'm on Instagram as Z Traveler as well. All right. And then you also have the Minimalist Motorcycle Vagabonds uh, page on your website that people can sign up. Yes. Uh, That group is just supporting any bike can have adventure anywhere. I started it. We're coming up on three years soon. I'm very excited for the anniversary three years. Uh Uh-huh. We have about seven new designs coming out for stickers that I'll be introducing soon. So, oh, okay. How many people have you have signed up for the minimalist mo- motorcycle vagabonds? Do you know? That Facebook group is 13,000 and some change. Really? Holy crap. <laughs> That's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah. And with Bunker Biker, it's a little harder. You know, people join just for some groups, you know, some of the country groups, some people in all the country groups. So yeah. it's kind of hard to get an idea of how many people use that. Sure. All right. I'd say I'd say upwards of eight to ten thousand. Wow, that's impressive. I think that's great. So, you got any wor- closing words or advice to riders that might be thinking about going to Romania to ride? Uh, I just encourage it. Absolutely, I think Eastern Europe is a great destination to go. It's safer than some of the other third worlds through Central and South America, but it's not quite so first world that it's uh, too expensive for the average American to go to. It's very cheap, very friendly. Fantastic quality food. You know, I gained a lot of weight coming back to America and eating our crap food. <laughs> of course we have crap food. Yeah, the quality of our food is just awful. But in Europe, I ate whatever I wanted and it didn't gain a pound. Awesome. I like the sound of that. Yeah. And uh, they make good good stuff, good local food. A lot it's of fresh food too, experience. right? A lot of fresh oh, food. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Breakfast there is fresh. It's usually salami and cheese, tomatoes, 
you know, very, very fresh. Bread's cooked every day. There's not a lot of preservatives in their food. It's fantastic. Just, just go to Europe, have a great time. Bulgaria is beautiful. Like everywhere there is beautiful. And it's, Gas is more expensive. That's my one warning I'll give you with, with Europe is that you're going to spend more on gas. Yeah. But even go into a hostel or like I went to a few homes or not homestays, a few, I guess, hotels while I was on one of my tours with sure. the friends. Right. And they cost five to $15 a night. Okay. And they're pretty cheap. Yeah. You, you get your room, you, know, you get a bathroom, you know, you're all set. So you can, you can camp, you can do it that way or you can... You can do the hotel thing, and it's much more affordable over there. Just be very prepared for different traffic. It, they operate much differently over there. They do drive on the right side of the road, contrary to some Americans' belief. That's right. They do. Awesome. Yes, they are not a left-hand driver. But oh. that's pretty much all I have to say. You know, Have a great time. Go over there and just meet some cool people. They, I absolutely adore listening to other people speak in English with their accents. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it must be. It must be a game after a while to try to figure out what they're saying, right? <laughs> oh, I actually have no problems understanding oh, okay. them, but listening to accents so much, you get pretty used to it. Yeah. And I made a very good friend in Romania. She doesn't ride, but I met her as a helper on one of my tours that I did. Right. And she just loved to make fun of me and how bad I butchered their words. <laughs> <laughs> but she was very good natured and she helped me out. So. Oh, good. All right, so I want to ask you a couple silly questions. This is so our listeners can get to know you a little bit. Uh, question number one, what's your morning brew? Coffee, tea, orange juice, or water? Uh, usually water, but I got to be a tea drinker. Funny so story about that. Tea is drinker. That, now I am. Now Since you I've been to Europe, I like tea. Tea is awesome. I like it. In Serbia, yeah. tea is called chai. So when we say chai tea, yeah. all I hear is tea tea. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? Neither. I don't like coffee. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Wine, beer, or spirits? Yes. <laughs> so all of the above. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you want to talk about spirits? One thing I miss so much, so goddamn much, in Romania, in Bulgaria, and Serbia, they all make their own type of moonshine. No kidding. It's like fifty-seven percent, but it goes down smooth and just is amazing. I. And they make their own brandies and their own wines, and they have amazing alcohol over there. So I drank a lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So beef, poultry, seafood, or vegetarian? I would say uh, I'm a beef and chicken person. Okay. Seafood is a second. All right. Uh, what kind of person are you? Morning person, normal day person, wake up, do stuff, go to bed, night owl, or all? I'm all, depending on time okay. of year and where I'm at. All right. Uh, where would you rather be? The mountains, the coast, the desert, or the plains? That's going to be weather dependent, but when if the weather's nice, I'd much rather be in the mountains. There you go. All right. Uh, favorite time of year, spring, summer, autumn, or winter? I'd say summer. Oh, how about that? What's in your ears when you're writing? Music, podcasts, audiobooks, or nothing? Music. Oh, how about that? Okay. And cigarettes, cigars, vape, or anything else? Occasionally I smoke some weed. That's about it. Uh, that other stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with other. <laughs> the other stuff. Okay. Uh, Coke, Pepsi, or water? Water. Ah, there you go. Well, that's it for the silly questions. All right, Z, listen, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast. Absolutely fun to talk to you again. And uh, I look fantastic talking to you, too. Oh, thank you. I, I look forward to hearing more about your future travels. I'll be watching your website from time to time. But, hey, look, if you're going to be heading off anywhere or you're going to be doing any great traveling, by all means, get a hold of me. And I'd love to have you back on. 
yeah, I'd love to be over there. I've actually got some podcast projects in the works with a few other people. So Do you really? I do. <laughs> Damn them. <laughs> I know. I've got a philosophy show, a road philosophy show in the works with a guy. He's okay. a pretty new podcast. And uh, me and Bob Marshall from America Roadrunner, we've got a few projects oh, in mind cool. when I get down to SoCal. All right. When are you going to make it to the East Coast? I'm going to come over to the East Coast uh, this upcoming year. I'm going to come see you, and maybe we can figure out something cool to do. Yeah, why not? That'd be great. We can have, have you in the, to, in, in the studio with uh, with my brothers and all that. We'll do a studio podcast. It'd be a lot of fun. Are you guys going to like jump on me for not riding a Harley? Like, no, no, we don't. On me? No, we don't care what you ride as long as you ride. That's <laughs> yeah, the way. That's, that's the way. We, no, that's all right. That's we, we get that a lot. We do get that a lot, but that's not the way we are. We as long as you ride, we don't care. We don't care what you ride. That's where we are. Oh, yeah. It'd be great to come out there and hang out with you guys. Awesome. Just more chatting. All right. Well, Z, thank you again. Thank you very much for being on the show. I, I, and I look forward to hearing more from you. So please ride safe. All right. And have a Merry, yeah, Cri- have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes. You have a great holidays, however you celebrate them. You got it. Right. All right. Thank you, Z. Thank you. Thanks for joining me and Z here on the Motorcycle Men Podcast, where we learned about riding a motorcycle around Eastern Europe. You can learn more about Z and her travels by going to ztraveler.com. There are links to her Facebook page there, and you can learn more about that. And that's all on the Motorcycle Men website, and I encourage you to go check all that out. Hey, don't forget to check out our fellow podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers, and vloggers, whose links you will find on our links page. All of these media outlets and many more out there do great things to promote and encourage our sport and passion. So from Tim Buck to Chris the Joker, Justin Shoes, and me, Ted Wrongway, your host, thanks for listening to the Motorcycle Men Podcast, where we say stupid crap so you don't have to. Enjoy your ride, kids. <laughs>